What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today I wanted to talk about some of the NFL news that's trickling out as mini camps and different things are going on within the NFL. Doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the football itself, but kudos to Carl Nassib for having the balls to come out as gay. It shouldn't be a big deal to anyone, although there'll be, you know, some of the more ignorant fans that, you know, don't like this or whatever. But we're really waiting for those people to die off in the first place. So I'm not really too worried about them and how this affects football at all. Carl Nassib is a really smart, eloquent guy. So it's good that it's him that's doing this, even though it shouldn't matter really who it is. And it really shouldn't matter to anyone when anybody's you know, situation is we all have the right to be with whoever we want. But anyway, I didn't feel like that was as big a football situation as more of a social thing. And I think if you're listening to a football podcast at this point, you're probably more about the football like I am at this time. So I've been focused in more on just a little bit of the different things that are coming out from beat reporters. There was the talk with the Miami Dolphins that the Dolphins are prioritizing Tua Tungavailoa being aggressive Uh, passing the ball downfield in practices. And uh, they also cite that there was like a five interception practice at some point, but that the coaches are trying to remain positive and trying to keep pushing him towards pushing the ball down the field. There's a reason they're doing that. He definitely didn't seem as comfortable going down the field last year as you would have expected for someone that had thrown such an accurate deep ball in the past. I don't believe that Tua was fully healthy last year when he was on the field. And I think another year removed from his hip surgery is going to give him a lot more power when he's throwing the ball and running the ball. I believe that's going to lead to him having to put less of his body into the throw that should increase his accuracy down the field. And that should help him, you know, regain confidence in throwing the ball down there. Now, He did seem to have a little bit of a deficiency last year, like I said, doing so. But when he did, he did throw it all right. And uh, it's not that he has a humongous arm by any means, but he has a good enough arm to be able to do that. And now he's got wide receivers that should be able to help him take advantage as well. Having Will Fuller and Jaden Waddle on the outside is a deep passer's dream as far as their speed and their ability to catch the ball down the field. They've also improved their offensive line. You know, getting rid of Eric Flowers is definitely an addition by subtraction situation. And then they put a little resources into getting better there as well. So all the arrows seem to be pointing up other than those five interceptions uh, in this practice where they were throwing it deep, et cetera. I think it's smart planning by the Dolphins to try and push Tua in this way. You know, I'm watching right the basketball playoffs a lot right now, and I'm seeing how the Philadelphia 76ers didn't really push Ben Simmons to do something that he's uncomfortable with. And now that he's four years into his development in the pros, you know, he's getting exposed come playoff time. And that's what happens with a lot of these quarterbacks is that if you have an area of deficiency, the NFL will bring that to the forefront and expose that if they can. So if you're not able to pass the ball down the field, everybody creeps up. Uh, The safeties get closer to the line. It gets harder to throw the shorter passes as well as run the ball. You have to be able to make people pay 
over the top. So if Tua is going to develop into a type of guy that you want to build around in the first place, then they need to push him and make him use the weapons that he's got. Because the other thing about this is adding Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller on top of Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki turns a weakness into a strength. Because outside of those, the latter two last year, like I said, he didn't really have much else, and it hurt to his confidence. There were a lot of drops, and I think there would have been a lot more drives had he been able to work the short stuff, you know, ha- call the people to the front, and then the, the stuff over the top is a lot more open, and it's a lot easier to hit those guys. So I'm looking for a lot of those things to correct themselves with Tua. I think a lot of people are down on him after this last year. There's a lot of Chargers fans that are pretty excited about themselves that they got Herbert without having to go anywhere. And they should absolutely be excited about Justin Herbert. I love Justin Herbert. Uh, As a matter of fact, I overdrafted him in my $20 best ball that we'll get to a little later because I just wanted to have him on one of my teams because I think he's such a stud. But at the same time, I think Tua has upside too. And I think we're going to get a really good look at him this next year in an offense that I hope they have suited more to him in this next year because Chan Gailey's offense was a little bit behind the times and they didn't really trust him to throw the ball down the field either. It kind of felt like they were calling plays that way to you know really funnel him into the shorter passes and maybe that was smart and maybe it wasn't. We'll have to see kind of how it goes down, but I feel like Tua is getting a little bit of disrespect and I don't think that they're going to have to ask him to do a ton if they have gotten better on defense and can continue to build on the success that they had there last year as well. It's interesting that the the disrespect plays out in fantasy football as well. You can get Tua in one of the last couple of rounds in best ball, and we're talking about a league where most teams have three quarterbacks. So you're get, you're basically you know picking him up at the very end if you forgot to get that third quarterback and you're hoping that he has a couple of blowout weeks because in best ball you do not have to pick who you start the, it's an optimal lineup situation so Tua could be on your bench and then maybe he has some big days uh, it, I think it can happen I'm if I had a little extra cash I'm th- I'm throwing all my extra cash into best ball right now if I had some extra cash I'd be buying some rookie cards in some of these quarterbacks that I believe in that are going to have an upswing, or maybe I'd be selling off the ones that I thought were going to have a downswing. But, uh, you know, I don't think I'd have owned any Mitchell Trubisky cards in the first place. Not, I hope he doesn't get a chance to play a single down this year. Cause that means that Josh Allen had something happen, but I digress. I don't want to talk at all about Mitchell Trubisky. I want to forget about his deficiencies as a quarterback, but that's part of it is if you have a deficiency in the NFL, in the NBA, in these pro sports, if you're not well-rounded, then the NFL is going to exploit that. And eventually it's going to catch up to you. And, you know, everybody kind of points to Jared Goff getting to the Super Bowl. Eventually the Patriots caught up with them and they were able to conjure bad Jared Goff. And I've talked about this a little bit with the Lions fans. I'm trying to set the proper expectations that I'm excited about the Lions overall and where Dan Campbell might might take them and them having this direction they're taking. But I'm not excited about Jared Goff because he's incomplete. When the pressure's on and he has to make a play, he doesn't throw good balls or he doesn't know what play to make. He's not very fast, so it's tough for him to get away from people within the pocket. 
So if he gets pressure up the middle and he's having to scramble, he's getting caught a lot of the time, or he's making that play like we talked about. Basically, if there's any sort of improvisation or going, you know, third read and beyond, it's kind of a disaster for Jared Goff. And it's my expectation that Sean McVay has been calling perfect games at times and really beautifully diagramming plays and is one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. And I can't wait to see uh, what he and Matthew Stafford are going to unleash on the league. I'm trying to get pieces of the Los Angeles Rams in my best ball wherever possible. I'm starting to think that Cam Akers might be my ninth running back overall over Aaron Jones with all the stuff going on with A-Rod. I think I like him more than I like, like Austin Eckler, too. So that's kind of the next tier of running backs. I think I'm thinking about Cam Akers because I'm so bullish. And if it wasn't for the Dan Campbell and just everything kind of moving in a right direction, I'd be really bearish on the Lions and picking them to lose. I'm trying to you know embrace the different things that I think I know after watching all the film and re-watching it, making all the highlight films and doing all this stuff I've been doing for football. I feel like I've got a pretty good feel for what these teams are going to do and uh, what teams I'm trying to get a piece of. And out, and unless Matthew Stafford can't remain healthy, then I'm trying to get a piece of my Los Angeles Rams whenever possible. And uh, I'm definitely fine because I've done three best ball drafts at this point that I'm not ending up with many Detroit Lions. Now, I'm thinking that Cephas, Quintez Cephas, might be somebody that I'm sleeping on as like a last wide receiver. But with everybody healthy right now in the best balls, there's just not enough of that going around where you're getting so deep that you're picking those guys. You know, really the only guys that are getting picked are Hawkinsauce, TJ Hawkenstein, and DeAndre Swift. And I like DeAndre Swift, but where he's being drafted, I just can't really get excited about that part because of the Detroit Lions. So I don't know if I'm going to end up with any DeAndre Swift. In my last one, he went 29th overall right after Miles Sanders, right before Chris Carson. See, I don't find myself drafting a lot of running backs in that range. Once it gets kind of past J.K. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't find myself ending up with a lot of those guys. And I'm so high on a lot of those wide receivers in that range, I find myself usually drafting a second wide receiver at that point. Like last night, it was DeAndre Hopkins and Justin Jefferson in the second and third round instead of DeAndre, uh, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and J.K. Dobbins. Maybe if I'd have been thinking, I might have gone J.K. Dobbins there, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough range for running backs, especially when you know for J.K. Dobbins that Gus Edwards is going to be looming there. Getting Gus later on isn't too bad either, you know, especially if J.K. were to go down. I think Gus's carries would go up a significant deal, even though – the Ravens have shown a proclivity to having two backs. They run the ball enough for two teams nearly. So that does make a lot of sense, but I digress into running back talk there. It's just a question on some of these quarterbacks. Like I was saying, where are they incomplete? Where do they have holes in their game that teams can exploit? It goes to the very top. I mean, Patrick could had a hurt toe in the Super Bowl, and, you know, Tampa Bay was able to exploit it. But even then, you saw Patrick fighting. He, he was still able to run around enough. I mean, he just doesn't have any holes there. 
And uh, that's why teams fight so hard for these guys that don't have that hole. Matthew has a hole too. It's called being healthy and he's getting a little older and he, and it's a question of how many years can he play? Bad backs don't really go anywhere. A lot of the times, even though when I saw Matthew run around, he definitely looked healthy last year. And that's what let me know right off the bat that he was healthy is that he was able to run the last year when he played, he wasn't able to do that because of the back. So let's hope for Matthew's continued health there. Uh, I'm, I've got a lot riding on that with my Cooper Cups, my Robert Woods plays, those t- types of different things that I've got going there. But I'm try- I am I think I'm warming up to the Cam Akers part of it too because you have a decision to make after the first eight running backs in these fantasy drafts. Um, it's, you know, in whatever order, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. Oh, excuse me, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb. That's my order of the top eight. Most leagues have 10 teams, though, and some have 12. What do you do at running back after those points? I mean, like I said, it's Aaron Jones, who we don't know if A-Rod's going to be there at that point. We'll probably know when it really comes draft season later on. Austin Eckler, I mean, I like him with Justin Herbert, but I don't know. And then you're talking about Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Those are that's kind of that next tier. And each one of those guys kind of has different question marks to me. So I don't know where to go with a lot of that. And I'm probably going to miss out on some value there. But I have been going second or third wide receiver in a lot of those cases, and I've still been ending up with enough running backs. But it's also because I believe a lot the fifties running back. So I like Mike Davis a lot. I like Damian Harris more in the sixties, but I still like him a lot. I can still get behind David Montgomery, even though Tariq Cohen's back, miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, those type of guys I can get into kind of in the forties and fifties there. Now, once it gets past that, it starts to get a little bit more committee oriented into the Kareem hunts your Ronald Joneses, your Leonard Fournettes, that kind of thing. So maybe you're trying to have your two before you, or maybe even your third one before you get back there. But here's a big decision to make there at that turn. You got to, re- I, I feel like I'm just got my fingers crossed that I don't have to draft there very much throughout my different drafts. Cause I'm just not sure what I'm going to do in that eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 spot. Once you going back there, well, if you get a, if you get a wide receiver in the second round, well, you've already got your running back in the first round. You're not doubling up and going like Tyreek, Stefan Diggs or Stefan Diggs, Travis Kelsey. I saw, I've been seeing Travis Kelsey go at the end of the first round. Those are things I'm trying to avoid because I want to have that running back situation locked up with at least one of them because it gets pretty janky after that. But what are you doing? Are you going Aaron Jones? Are you going Austin Eckler? Doesn't feel like you're getting that same value at 9, 10, 11, 12 there when you're having to do that. So I guess I'm crossing my fingers in my year-long leagues. And in best ball, I'm hoping that I don't get quite as many. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I've got a lot of soul searching to do on that end and what I want to do with that pick at this point because it just hasn't really been floating my boat the way that I saw it happen for my friend that had it last night or, you know, how I would have felt, you know, had I been drafting in some of those positions, you know, it's easier for me to hope that cam 
or to look at DeAndre or something like that, making it down once you've got your running back in the first round. Another thing that I'm noticing as a trend overall, and maybe it's because these leagues are for pay and isn't just somebody's, you know, one or two leagues that they're going to do this year. Also, I'm guessing that it takes a sick, sad individual to already be excited about fantasy drafts, which I guess doesn't reflect too well on me, but that's why I'm also doing a football podcast and making videos is because I have a football problem and I'm well aware of it and I'm not cutting myself off and going to football AA. I am diving headfirst into my football addiction and I appreciate y'all coming along for the ride. And uh, my point of all that was that maybe the people are a little bit more disciplined at this time, but it does feel like the quarterbacks are slipping to their appropriate level of interest right now. And like I said, that may be that there's more pros playing right now for money or whatever it is, but most drafts, Patrick is falling to the third round. He went in the second, like the mid second one time out of three so far. But after that, it seems like it kind of, it seems like it's kind of slowing down as far as the hype trains go in the quarterback position. At no surprise to me, it seems like Josh Allen is kind of the next guy that goes. And that has been pretty consistently fourth round. So somewhere within the fourth round, Josh Allen goes. I'm actually okay with that as far as, you know, I'm not a big quarterback guy when it comes to drafting. In best ball, first of all, it's okay even to go quarterback a little earlier because there's three of them. But still, you want to kind of be measured when it comes to the quarterback position. Uh, But I don't see anything changing as far as Josh Allen's situation. Maybe he runs a little less, but that's still a part of his game. And it's he's still sick, disgusting in the goal line because he can run you over um, or he can throw it. And he's got all the different throws in the bag there with his arm. I mean, he's just so good at the running back position. And all they did was add Matt Breida to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. They didn't really upgrade the line. So unless there's a big shift in the way they think and the way that they diagram their runs, I don't see the running game taking over. I see them doing exactly the same thing that they did last year, just hopefully with more wrinkles and more, you know, things and gadgets and everything to add. They did change out Emmanuel Sanders uh, and got rid of John Brown, who couldn't stay healthy. So maybe that adds something as well to the already established pass catchers that they have. But it's all going to be on Josh. They still have the pass catchers, like I just said. And with the non-improvement at running back, I mean, maybe one of those guys gets better, but man, I just don't see anything changing, meaning I think it's safe to draft Josh in the fourth round if you're not really feeling the wide receivers or running backs at that time. That's kind of where you're getting your your Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, David Montgomery, um, maybe even you're, you're thinking about Josh Jacobs a little earlier right there, Miles Gaskin. So there's a lot of goodness right there that you're passing up with Josh. Maybe you even think about Darren Waller because there was a report today. He might have a big year, but uh, Josh, I'm okay with right there. 
then it kind of has another little chasm to the next guy. Cause then you, then you kind of have, you know, your tepid moves into Russell, into Lamar, into Dak and Kyler. Everybody's being super measured with Kyler Murray. I don't know if that's just where Yahoo has him ranked, but that, that kind of surprised me that everybody's kind of holding back on that front as well. But that's a two round jump there. There was 20 people taken between Josh and Russell last night. So there's a big jump between taking somebody in the fourth and then being able to get Lamar in the sixth, with his, which is what I did, which was post Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was the next guy off. Then it was Lamar and Russell. So that's kind of one of the tiers that I'm kind of thinking about dipping into, especially the Lamar part. I, I know that Lamar had a down year last year for him and for what the expectations for him was, but they added two really good pass catchers. I know Sammy is probably on the back end of his prime there, but he's kind of what they needed as far as some size and some possession ability. So if he's able to stay healthy, as well as adding Rashad Bateman in the first round of the draft, I'm really on board with that. And I think that can open things up for Lamar. So I think that's where I'm trying to really target everything as far as my quarterbacks go. I may still go Josh if he, if he falls late enough in the fourth or fifth, but that's a valuable time for picking up running back and wide receiver options. That's the difference between getting someone that has the backfield to themselves versus getting someone that has a committee or your second options or like Adam Thielen or T Higgins, even though I love T Higgins, it, but it's just a different tier as far as that part goes. So quarterback is definitely shaping those middle rounds. That's probably where I'm most excited about dipping into them. You know, in, in best ball, you're drafting three quarterbacks and I waited till the very last two rounds to pick up the other two. So you're picking up all these different running backs and wide receivers. You're getting Damian Harris. Kyle Pitts was interesting last night. He finally fell. He'd been going in the sixth round. He finally fell to the eighth. But even if you wait, I mean, if you can wait that long for your quarterback, what about you, Justin Herbert, if you're getting him in the eighth round? Is it worth it to take Patrick versus Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, and Jalen Hurts in the eighth round? that's another spot that I'm probably going to be dipping in at times as well. Um, especially probably for my second quarterback in best ball, but that's another value round as far as these quarterbacks go, especially the Matthew Stafford part. We, uh, like I said before, I'm really high on my Rams here and uh, whether you're getting Matthew or you're just getting somebody that's peripheral. Um, that's kind of how I'm attacking Sam Darnold as well. If you've been listening to me at all, you've heard that I'm really high on Sam Darnold. So I've been attacking him by getting Robbie Anderson in places. So Robbie Anderson more towards the ninth, 10th round. They already had a nice rapport with the Jets. And then Robbie looked good at times, really explosive at times with the Panthers already. And they give him a certain amount of leash because he's a temple guy too. So I'm pretty high on that part of it. I know it's pretty abstract and this may not be the most exciting part of the off season for everybody, especially if you're not as big into the fantasy portion of it, but we're trying to get this part, part of it warmed up. And this is how you think about who's good with these people and who you like. And really it helps me get excited and really into football in the first place. And uh, I'll be doing a good amount of fantasy throughout the year as well. So just stick with me. 
that's part of the game. Uh, I'll be talking about bets. That's probably where my next podcast will go is I want to go through the, the win totals, trying to get myself hooked up with the situation that I can bet on that because I have some things just like I want to bet on Sam Darnold or Matthew Stafford or some of these quarterbacks that have had some down times that are getting a change of scenery. I, I'm even into Carson Wentz. I mean, I'm into these guys because I see the talent and I think they can succeed. It's just a question of, you know, is their new situation going to be able to iron out some of those deficiencies that they had or can Jalen Hurts progress as a passer? They're giving him this shot to do it. We know he can do it as a runner, but if they're going to go anywhere with him, he's got to progress as a passer. So those are all th- things that are going to play themselves out in real time in front of us. It's all speculation at this point. And like I said, I know that's not the most important or exciting time, but you know, we got to get through these months somehow. I'm going to be putting the podcast out. I know it was a little late. I wanted to get a couple of drafts in. I didn't have the time until yesterday to get that done. So I know it's a little late getting my first podcast out of the week, but they'll be coming sooner and a little bit more fast and frequent when the news starts coming out a little bit more, but, uh, we're going to have some downtime here. So it's that's why I started thinking about this and started getting in the best ball because uh, we've got to have something to fill this time until, until people start cracking heads again. If you've gotten to this point and haven't done so, download the podcast. Let me know you're here and listening. Uh, definitely look for more videos to come out this week to kind of let, let you know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling about these different players. And uh, have a great rest of your day.